This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. Glad to have you on a Tuesday drive. Where for those who don't know, this summer will mark four years for this show. I remember when I took this job, I was told no sports show had ever lasted more than two years in the Piedmont Triad. Welcome! You want to take this job? Well, here's some things you need to know. In an effort to break that trend, I wanted to make sure I best understood what sports fans around here cared about what they cared most deeply about in the triad. So what do you do? Speak to somebody who understands this place. The guy I went to is the great sports writer Ed Harden from The Journal. And we spoke for about an hour about what the Piedmont has loved, what they continue to love, what makes the triad tick. This was in Charlotte at ACC Football Media Day, circa 2018. And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, Josh, there are two sports the Piedmont has loved as long as anybody you've ever met has been alive. Motorsports and golf. And we've got plenty of both today with the North Wilkesboro Speedway coming back to life. Roy Cooper speaking there a couple hours ago. Richard Childress on site as well. But let's actually talk golf right now. It's PGA Championship week. And man, does the sport of golf really need a win. Oh! How many of the headlines are we reading? You would say a positive thing for golf. They could use a very entertaining major championship just to drown out all the negative that we're seeing. And all of the negative... Goes back to one source, Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson's overshadowed everything. He is one of the most noteworthy names in golf. It's been that way for the last two decades, maybe even longer than that. And we know he's considering joining Live Golf. The Saudi-backed league that's being created to go head-to-head with the PGA Tour. And that's led to a split among golfers on tour right now. And we're talking about the Saudis. And that's uncomfortable. That's not good for golf. Phil won the PGA Championship last year in South Carolina. He was 50 years old. The oldest guy to win a major. And the year later, he's not competing at all. Just the fifth PGA champion to not defend his title a year later. I think the most recent example was Tiger in 2009. Remember, Tiger won the PGA, then won the U.S. Open in 2008. I think I got those two in order right. And that was Torrey Pines when when Tiger's knee was what it was while he was still training with Navy SEALs for some reason. He was recovering from an injury, not able to play the next year. No Phil Mickelson. That's obviously the biggest story. And I think he should be there. And I'm not alone in thinking that. This was Rory McIlroy 
earlier today saying essentially the same thing. This should be a celebration, right? I mean, he, he won a major championship at 50 years old. It was possibly his last, you know, big, big moment in the game of golf. And I think he should be here this week and, and celebrating what and monumental achievement he achieved last year. So it's, it's unfortunate. It's sad. And yeah, I mean, I don't know what else I can say. Golf needs an entertaining major championship this week just to change those types of headlines. And so let's talk about those who are in Tulsa, not the ones who aren't at Southern Hills. Tiger Woods, that's a good way to fix the problem. If Tiger Woods is in it on Sunday, how great would that be? That'd solve every issue there is. Who's talking about Phil if Tiger's wearing the Sunday red and competing on Sunday? I just don't think that's realistic, though. My expectations for Tiger are minimal. I think it would require a minor miracle for Tiger to win the PGA Championship. His big limitation is durability. Round one in Augusta, he shot in the red digits. Through two rounds, he was only plus one. But then you got the Saturday and Sunday, where he combined the shoot 12 over. Turned out the pain got to him, having to play on four consecutive days. And you're talking about major championship golf. Now, Tiger said he feels stronger than he did five weeks ago, and maybe that's true. But strong enough to compete in a major championship? That's something different altogether. Tiger can't be relied on to be the golden calf this week for the PGA Tour and for this major championship. The good news for golf is I don't think he has to be. A good leaderboard would suffice, and there are a lot of good storylines to follow. Scotty Scheffler. He emerged from the guy who hasn't won a major to a budding superstar by dominating in Augusta. And dominating, really, since the start of the calendar year 2022. He can earn his fifth win in 10 starts with a win in Southern Hills this week. That puts him in some rare air. A similar opportunity is in front of Jordan Spieth, who's played some good golf this year. Can he complete the career slam? That's something that isn't done by a lot of people. Maybe you get a first-time major winner like we did a month ago. Xander Shoffley's been close to a handful of times. Hard not to root for the X-Man. Tony Finau, Ricky Fowler, who said earlier today he's on the fence, whether or not he's going to stay in the PGA Tour, go to live golf. And the frustrating thing about it for me, many of these guys are saying, well, the PGA Tour could do a lot of things better. And this might be something as competition that makes the PGA Tour better. But they never define what it is. It's kind of like when somebody does something wrong in sports, the Ray Rice incident comes to mind for me. You get the elevator footage where he hits his then fiance, someone he went on to marry. And then he talks to the media for the first time. And the word that you always hear is accountability where he'll say, I'm accountable for my actions. And a lot of people in similar spots will say that. Anytime I'm sitting in one of those press rooms and I hear the athlete who did something wrong say, I'm accountable for my actions, it triggers in my mind to ask this question. What are you accountable for? You said you're being accountable, which means you're 
publicly taking account for something that you did wrong. What did you do? And I remember when that was asked to Ray Rice, he said, this is great PR training, by the way. I'm not trying to look into the past. I'm trying to look forward. Oh, so you're not going to be accountable. I'm going to be accountable until I'm asked what I'm going to be accountable for, which then I'll say, I'm not trying to look at the past. I'm trying to look forward. Got it. How's that relate to golf? Ricky Fowler says, well, it could make the PGA Tour better. What? What? How would you improve things on the PGA Tour? And what it reeks of is, well, we just want more opportunities where we can make more money. Why can't certain tournaments pay us a certain amount to ensure that we're in the field the way that you would maybe in a competitive league? Just a thought. That's what it reeks of. And usually, if they're not telling you what it is specifically that the sport can do to improve itself, it has something to do with money and them not getting enough of it. Them not getting as much as they feel they're due. And that reeks. I hope we have a great PGA championship this week. I really do. The sport of golf needs it. On Twitter, at WSS Sports, 336-777-1600 if you want in Will Dalton, the producer of this show. Shifting things to basketball, not only do we have the Eastern Conference Finals starting tonight, Boston facing the Miami Heat in South Beach, we've got the NBA Draft Lottery at 8 o'clock. And this is what the lottery is about. Charlotte, yes, we hope the best for the Hornets. They have a 4.5% chance of getting the number one pick. I hope that happens. Didn't Cleveland have long odds when they got the number one pick for the second time in three or four years? I think they got Kyrie Irving the number one pick and then long odds, and they ended up picking Anthony Bennett, who was one of the biggest busts ever. Charlotte. Spoiler alert, probably going to end up with a 13th pick. This is what tonight's really about. The three top players, who's going to have the right to draft them? I'm not going to say it's consensus, but a lot of the people I trust in basketball scouting pretty much agree that the top three players are Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, Paolo Boncaro from Duke, and Jabari Smith from Auburn. There are five teams with more than a 10% chance at the number one pick. Detroit, Houston, Indiana, Orlando, and Oklahoma City. So I'm going to limit it to those five teams talking about the best-case scenario for these players to end up. And I'll start with Paolo. I think it's the Detroit Pistons. That's where I want Paolo to go. I think Paolo's the best player in this draft not just because I covered him at Duke this past year and didn't see Chet in person. I think the way the NBA's headed, the way that Paolo plays is going to translate very well, and I think he does a lot of things on both sides of the floor that makes him the safest pick for somebody to take in this draft. I also like the idea of pairing what I believe to be the best player in this year's draft with the best player from last year's draft. Detroit took Cade Cunningham number one a year ago. That is your foundation for the future if you're Detroit. You've got your backcourt leader 
and your franchise guy to build around in Cade, and now you got your post player to build around in Paolo. So that's the Duke star. Chet Holmgren. I'd love to see him go to Oklahoma City. I prefer Paolo to Chet, but I think Chet's going to end up being the number one pick. His skill set is unique. The guy is a unicorn. And Sam Presti has been at Oklahoma City for a while, a well-run organization that has a ton of draft picks. It's in a smaller market. I think that is the low-pressure setting that would be ideal for Chet to step into. He has a high... I think he's a risky pick. I'd take Paolo over Chet because I think Paolo's less of a risk. Chet obviously has a greater upside because he could do a lot of things that you don't rarely see from guys his size. But it's a risky pick. That frame is unique. I don't want Chet to have to be the savior of an organization. And at Oklahoma City, they got a young star in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And they got a lot of picks that they have to use the next few years. So it could be easy for Chet to fit in rather than being the guy who stands out and having to lead the organization to the promised land. So I like Chet going to OKC. And as for Jabari Smith, how fun would it be if he goes to the Orlando Magic? Jabari's a fun, young player. And Orlando is a fun, young team. Two years ago in the first round, they drafted Cole Anthony out of Carolina. He's been a pretty good player. Top five pick, they took Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga. Huge fan of his work. Franz Wagner, one of the best rookies this past season. What they don't have is this poor man's Anthony Edwards type player who's bouncy, can drive, can push things on the wing, is stupid athletic. And that's what Jabari Smith is. So having him go to Orlando with those other players, whew, they immediately become one of the most fun league pass watches and maybe in the next few years, a perennial playoff team. So tonight is about those three guys. Where's Paolo going to end up? Where's Chet going to end up? Where's Jabari Smith going to end up? Likely they're the top three picks in the draft, and we'll learn 8 o'clock tonight who gets those top three picks. He puts the C in awkward. Huh? He didn't finish high school. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. This week, Southern Hills, Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's the PGA Championship, which means we're going to be seeing a lot of our next guest on television alongside Andy North and Scott Van Pelt. It is a member of the prestigious Wake Forest golf family, Curtis Strange, that joins us now. Before we get into the golf, I've been wondering this, preparing for our golf conversation, getting ready for today's show. You must have been at Wake Forest in the 70s, and knowing how small Wake Forest campus is, where all the athletes seem to fraternize with each other and get to know each other, were you friends with guys like the great Rod Griffin or Skip Brown at that time? Uh, Skip Brown, Rod was, I think Rod might have been there my last year, but no, I didn't know Rod. But Skip and, uh, Skip and I were at the same dance 
Once or twice, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, who got the pretty girl uh, if it's between you two? Well, it's just, I got my wife who I've been married to for 45 years. That's all I'll say. But anyway, it's, uh, it was great memories back then, I'll tell you. Well, I was there 74, 5, and 6. And not only a golf team, but being at Wake and being a part of that uh, that family. And I got to tell you, when I travel the country, no matter if it's golf, basketball, football, or just being a student there, it is family. Uh, we have a connection that very few others have. Yeah, I'd I'd love to know more about that because you see a guy like Will Zalatoris, what he's done in major championships the last few years, and when it ties all the way back to you and Arnold Palmer, man, what are those conversations like when you're connecting through this place that is Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and Wake Forest University? Yeah, you don't really talk about it unless you're sitting down having a real conversation that might come up, but... There's a bond there. Uh, I certainly, you know, if I'm going to look and try to find somebody, if they're if they're close by, it would be Will or and I haven't met Cameron Young yet, but he's here mm-hmm. this week. And or anybody in the family, we, you know, we stay in touch. We watch if they're playing. What's the first and second name I look at? And like I do with Jay Haas on the Champions Tour. So uh, it's uh, it's just something that's there that's uh, pretty cool to be a part of. Let's get to the obvious stories this week. Curtis Strange with us here from ESPN. Rory McIlroy said earlier today, it's sad and unfortunate that Phil Mickelson isn't here a year after what he did in South Carolina at the PGA, winning at 50 years old. How disappointed are you as a fan of golf that Phil wasn't there this week? Well, I'm not so disappointed he's here. I'm disappointed for the PGA of America that they're defending champion in here. But I think I'm more disappointed in Phil Mickelson in general on what he's doing, uh, the damage he's causing, uh, potentially the PGA Tour, not respecting the, the players and their blood, sweat, and tears that came way before him and way before me that established this tour. You know, Jack Nichols and Arnold Palmer were part of the tour breakoff of the PGA of America back in the late 60s, and, and it became, uh, it has such a legacy now, and Tiger talked a lot about that today, and it's just, uh, I don't want to go into it too much, but I think he's being detrimental to the tour and the legacy of many, many players and showing little respect for those people as well. I'll tell you the thing that frustrates me the most about it, um, Curtis. I hear Ricky Fowler today when he's asked about it saying, you know, are there things that the PGA Tour could do better? Yes, and I think competition's a good thing. But do you know what they never say? They never say what exactly that is. What exactly is it that the PGA Tour can do better that would fix all these well, problems that players have? If, if somebody tells me, then I'll know, uh, because I certainly don't know. And You know, when I played, I didn't get into all the politics at all. I didn't get into any politics. I played golf and, uh, and, and let, let the commissioner and the board put all my trust in them and let them do their job and run the tour, and I'll do, try to do my job as far as playing, being a player on the tour. Um, and that's, that's the way it is, and I don't know. It's, uh, it's, 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 you know, you make your bed. He's been, he's been, he's on his way of being ostracized by most all the players. And, uh, those who like a Ricky Fowler will say something like that needs to be more of this or more of that or to improve. And he can't name it. Bottom line, they want more money. And, uh, that's, that's a pretty greedy way to look at life. I agree with that. Curtis Strange with us here, ESPN. It is the PGA championship this week. How realistic is it to expect Tiger to compete when we saw durability was certainly an issue when we saw him at the Masters last month on his final 18 or final 36? 
Well, it's a great question we've been talking around. We just finished our three-hour show here today, and we talk about it. And he he kind of he, he says in a roundabout way that uh, he expects more out of himself. It's been five weeks for the leg to get stronger, for him to get stronger. Um, and, and I don't mean lifting weight stronger. I mean uh, being able to walk the golf course stamina-wise, because I don't care who you are if you're a weightlifter. To go walk and stand around for eight hours around the golf course by warming up, playing, practicing afterwards, there's a diff- there's a golf stamina that you need, and he's better prepared for that. See, when he played the Masters, he didn't know what to expect. Now he does. And that in itself is a relaxing peace of mind that you know you can go 72 holes. You know you're going to hurt a little bit. But uh, he hit a lot of good shots in Augusta. He made a lot of good putts. He missed shots in this putts. But five weeks later, I think he expects a whole lot more out of himself than he, than he, than he showed uh, in April. What kind of traits are most important to having success on this course, Curtis? You know, they're all the same. We, we dissect different courses and act like it's a huge difference sometimes. And for a major, for a regular tour event, there is a big difference. But uh, for majors, this is set up like a lot. It's, you know, more rough, uh, going to an old, old golf course with smaller greens, slopey greens, runoff areas around the greens. It's set up beautifully. It's, it's been not redesigned, but given a little bit of a facelift uh, in the last two years, and it's just a stunning, beautiful golf course. So to answer your question, you know, it's like any other big-time big golf tournament. You've got, to, you've got to drive the ball well, put it in the fairway, which sets up the entire hole, sets up your second shot, and then hopefully you can hit the green and try to make a putt for birdie. And if you don't do that, you'll struggle. Curtis Strange with us here from the PGA Championship. It's in Oklahoma. How many steaks are you eating this week? <laughs> you know, I don't do much of that anymore. But uh, if you're going to eat them, it's probably the place to do it, isn't it? <laughs> it's not, it's you know, Oklahoma's a, you know, we're, I'm an East Coast guy, and, 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 and as you are, and it, it's a different It's a great place to visit. It's Tulsa's a... Uh, an old town um, and old oil money. And it's interesting to see this golf course, Southern Hills. It looks like it could be any place on the East Coast, huge oak trees, big poplar trees. In fact, they're taking a lot of trees out, and that's why you'll see the difference in here in 07. But uh, it's, it's a golf course that could be anywhere on the East Coast, so that's why it's such a beautiful golf course to me and many others. Did I hear you say you were married for 45 years? Let's see. I got to get this right, or I'm gonna get emails and texts from Sarah's friends in Winston. Uh, let's see, ninety, uh, seventy-six, forty-seven years. Yeah, I'm getting married one month from today, and you'll appreciate this. You're in the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. She is a Virginia girl, and her name is Sarah. Very uh, nice. Very nice. You have good taste. And forty-seven years from now, you'll be in my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully at a golf tournament, getting to watch greats like Tiger and company. But isn't that, isn't that the term? Yeah, Kurt, Curtis, really do appreciate the time. I know you're really busy. Look forward to watching you on television. You're always welcome in your old stomping grounds in the triad. I uh, appreciate it, and everyone listening, enjoy the week. It's going to be a great week, great golf course. And I will say this: the weather's not going to be good. It's going to blow every day, so Woo! it's going to be a hell of a test for yeah, these players. Yeah, it is. Thanks so much for the time, Curtis. On Twitter at Strange Golf, shoot him a follow. Curtis Strange joining us. From the PGA Championship. Love it. And he got it right. 47 years he's been married. So Sarah's friends in Winston listening. Don't get mad at him. Good taste, huh?
Yeah. Virginia girl. Tasting producers, too. <laughs> you are my third, make it my fourth radio wife hey. that I've had. Proud. That's it. You're on that list. You're on that mantle. Actually, you're my fifth radio wife that I've had. I don't count Sawyer. Sawyer was just a, a rebound. Sawyer Dillon. Ah, I see. Yeah, doesn't count. Saw this headline from Shams that the Hornets are going to interview, have interviewed former Blazers coach Terry Stotts. And not surprisingly, Hornets fans have not liked this. They don't like this at all. They don't like it. No. I don't know who, I don't know who Hornet fans want. I really don't. And Shams is now saying that Darvin Ham going to get a second in-person interview for the Hornets head coaching job. So Stotts is going to interview. Has not interviewed yet. I, I really don't know who Hornet fans want. Do they want the second coming of Jesus Christ as their coach? I don't know if he's available. Three three six seven 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 one six hundred. First to call in gets to see Smashing Pumpkins eight days from now. Matt writes and learn to say Sawyer properly. Sawyer, Sawyer. I don't know the difference. I think if it's a first name, I say Sawyer. If it's a last name, I say Sawyer, as if it's Tom Sawyer. You could give me phonetics if there's a way. He's never corrected me, so if he's never corrected me, I'm gonna go on that. I like where the Hornets' head is at. The Bucks won the title last year. You're bringing Darvin Ham. I, I don't want an assistant. I want someone who's done the job. Give me somebody that's the inverse of the guy that you just fired. Don't bring in James Borrego 2.0. Hey, guy who's never been a head coach before but came from a championship building. Okay, let's see if that works. No, if you want to bring in somebody who's done the job, bring somebody who's done it. And Terry Stotts has coached over a thousand NBA games and he's won more than he's lost and he hasn't been playing he hasn't been coaching at the championship level NBA organizations not port that's not what Portland is he was an assistant when the Mavericks won the championship but he was the Bucks coach too in the mid-2000s before the Bucks became the Bucks and he was in Atlanta as a head coach at one point that's 15 years of experience he wouldn't be my first choice I'd take D'Antoni Tantoni coached a long time, and he's won 57, 60% of his games, and he's been a two-time NBA coach of the year. Give me that guy. Yeah, that's, that's the one that I want for the Hornets that would be lucky to win 50% of their games, 57% of their games at any point in their history. The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Hayes Permar are going to join us in 15 minutes. We'll play Skips or Plays with Hayes. That's always a lot of fun. Something else that's always a lot of fun. Heading out to the racetrack. And specifically, I didn't get a chance to experience this firsthand, but I know a lot of people in the triad have, and I'll get that chance soon, but going out to North Wilkesboro Speedway. The revival of North Wilkesboro 
really started to feel real today because Governor Roy Cooper, just in the last few hours, was there speaking. He said, quote, we got your back, North Wilkesboro. Richard Childress was on site. There were other NASCAR luminaries there, racing legends. Richard Childress said he didn't expect this day would come and talked about all the great memories that he had alongside Dale Earnhardt at North Wilkesboro Speedway. The the revival of it, it's happening. The funding's there. I think they said close to $18 million being allocated. You had the announcement last month, but until you see some of these figures back at the, the racetrack, it doesn't really start to set in. It did for me today, right before we went on the air. And the plan's this. They're going to race on the current pavement that they have there in August. Some of that old school pavement that's been sitting there, yeah, they're going to race on that. And then they're going to tear it up, and it's going to look a lot like the late 1940s and throughout the 50s. They're going to have the dirt track there. They'll race on in October. Then they're going to repave it in 2023, and it's going to look fantastic. And the hope is, see, there's no commitment from NASCAR yet. The hope is that they will have a NASCAR-sanctioned race there sometime maybe in 2024. And there hasn't been a NASCAR-sanctioned race there since, I believe, 1996, over a quarter century ago. Now, probably won't be Cup Series, but if you just get the the dirt track or if you get the, the truck races out there, I think that would even be a big win. But there's a plan in place, and that's what makes me feel good about this. It's being put into motion. If you have thoughts on this, 336-777-1600. I know how much racing matters to this community and on Twitter at WSJS Sports if you want in too. I feel the same way about this that I do. It's a big part of the reason I'm concerned with the ACC headquarters issue in Greensboro. It's easy to think that it's just about symbolism and the issue with the ACC men's basketball tournament is a completely separate issue to this, but I disagree. I think if you're fine to get rid of the symbolism and the connection between the ACC and its history and staying in Greensboro to go up the street to Charlotte or to go to Orlando, then what justification do you have to keep the tournament in Greensboro? You might be talking about that building from an ACC tournament uh, perspective staying vacant for a decade on end, just like this track has been out of commission, idle for over a decade now. Essentially idle since 2011. And a lot of people were worried that people would just forget and they would just move on and all that history dating back to 1949 would be lost. But racing fans, they never let it die. And I'm talking about the people that are listening to my show right now. You're a hardcore sports fan if you're listening to me. And odds are you love North Wilkesboro Speedway. And if you don't, maybe you're on the younger end and didn't get a chance to experience yourself like me, and I hope I get a chance to do that. But the reaction in the racing world, whew, from Dale Jr. to others, this is a massive, massive deal. But this is my warning to you, though. If you are one of those that feel like, yep, this is a great deal, and we're going to fire things up, and it's going to be here forever, it's going to be great. It's something I talked about with Ryan McGee of ESPN one time. 
who was passionate about this because he saw it happen in his hometown of Rockingham. It's up to you, the consumer, to make sure this track stays open. The consumer was a big part of keeping this thing alive and getting things back at North Wilkesboro, and that should be applauded. That should be celebrated. But if you want to keep it open, every ticket is a vote. That's what you need to remember. Every ticket is a vote. The first year, I don't think they'll have a problem filling things up. Years two, three, and four, that's that's the question. Are you going to go and stay around? And if you do, they ain't going to go anywhere. If a tenth of the folks I see on Twitter say, oh, yeah, man, if they bring things back in North Wilkesboro, I'll be there every night. If a tenth of those people show up, they'll have no problem. But are they? Or are they just going to type things on Twitter saying they're going to do something that they don't follow through on? You know, because the internet, it never lies. That's the major question. Don't give them a reason to close up shop again. It's going to be back, and that's great, and it's starting to feel real. But to keep it open, that's up to the consumer, ultimately. 336-777-1600 if you want in once again. Getting to the Charlotte Hornets. It is NBA Draft Lottery Night. Thank you. The Charlotte Hornets... I hate to be the bearer of bad news. They're not going to get the number one pick. If they do, I'll wear the peacock outfit again tomorrow. 4% chance, right? Fine. I'll do that. If they get the number one pick. Now, I'm not going to go as far to say if they get a top four pick. Nope. Not going to do that, especially when it's 85, 90 degrees outside. Ungodly hot. The Hornets have a 4.5% chance at the number one pick. Odds are they're going to be picking 13th. But here's where they catch a break. New Orleans made the playoffs. They had a lottery-protected draft pick going Charlotte's way. And since they made the playoff, they're not in the lottery, so that pick belongs to Charlotte, and it is the first pick outside of the lottery, number 15. So odds are... Charlotte's going to be looking at number having both the number 13 pick and the number 15 pick. And this is the question I have to Hornets fans. Would you rather draft two good players at 13 and 15 or package those picks together to get somewhere near five or six, maybe seven, and potentially get a great player in this year's class? Well, Dalton, you're a Hornets fan. How would you answer that? I mean, I think Charlotte's a great player and a good coach, obviously, away from being a lot better than they are now. So I think I would rather have the great player. I'm with you. That's what I want. Why do I want to draft two players at 13 and 15 when odds are, when you look at the percentages... One of those two guys not even going to be a rotation player in the league. And I think there's a significant chance that neither of those players will pan out. And if you don't believe me, let me just ask you. The Hornets did this a year ago. You got James Booknight and Kai Jones. And who do you feel great about right now a year later? If you would have told me 
that you could trade James Booknight and Kai Jones to get Kaminga or Franz Wagner or Davion Mitchell, one of those types, uh, I'm doing that 10 times out of 10. That's what I want to do right now. Where do I sign up? But a team has to go for it too. That's something we'll have to see. Draft lottery, 8 o'clock tonight on ESPN. Coming up, since Paul McCartney is going to perform at Wake's football stadium, Truist Field on Saturday, we figured why not play some Beatles songs in a Beatles theme, Skips or Plays with Hayes. Hayes Permar going to be with us. We hope you will be too here on a Tuesday drive. He's the man. He's the man. <laughs> Settle down. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Usually, it's up to the host just to ask the questions and the guest will respond to whatever question that you ask, but... I want to throw some things in Hayes Permar's court here and see what he wants to play ball with because there are a lot of things going on right now where you're the PA announcer for the Carolina Mudcats and I'm seeing in baseball right now the big story, Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be back tonight leading off for the Atlanta Braves. You are well-traveled in the state of North Carolina, so I think you you understand how important North Wilkesboro Speedway is and Roy Cooper spoke there today with uh, Richard Childress and they're going to bring that back for the first time in over a decade later on this year I know how much you love golf and it just seems like a major championship is being overshadowed by Phil Mickelson not being there and all the stuff going on with the Saudi-backed league and a lot of greed that's setting in then there's the Carolina Hurricanes that are getting set tomorrow for a second-round series against the New York Rangers. What direction would you like to head in, Hayes Permar? I don't know. Do you want me to be a uh, hillbilly from North Carolina and talk Canes or be a uh, hillbilly from North Wilkesboro and talk NASCAR? I did The, the only thing that, that I found super interesting about Roy Cooper's lap or whatever, two laps around North Wilkesboro, did you notice he came out and said uh, he didn't hit any walls when he was going around there? <laughs> I noticed. I think that was a shot at Mike Easley, who famously uh, wrecked a car one time when he was doing the, uh, I can't remember if it was the Richard Petty experience or just some other, uh, you know, photo politician moment. And he ended up banging into the walls uh, at, it obviously, one North Wilkesboro. I think it was down at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But yeah, didn't know if Roy Cooper was taking a shot at Mike Easley there. Uh, but no, always good to see racing back at, uh, and North Wilkesboro, that's cool. But I'm, I'm probably more inclined to the Canes. If you want to talk anything, I probably want to talk Canes these days because we are on a mission to win a Stanley Cup. What's your level of confidence in the Canes winning against the Rangers? Pretty good. I mean, I, I, I know it's the Rangers in name alone. They have, like, mystique. I, I won't pretend to uh, have studied the roster or the matchups and things like that. But almost if you heard the words – coming out of the Boston Bruins, if you've seen the Canes play in the last couple of years, it's like they always have one series against 
you know, the team that they're kind of into it with. It was the Capitals. Now this time it was the Bruins, you know, sort of their mini rival, if you will. And that always is a, is a long, drawn-out fight. And then after that, we, uh, you know, we take care of business. One year we swept the Islanders. Uh, another year we, uh, I think, did we beat the Rangers? Yeah, we beat the Rangers one year in the bubble. Yes, two one years year we ago. Lost it. Yeah, we lost one time to Tampa Bay, but it was just, it was a different series. It wasn't one of those scrappy, you know, every night to fight type series. So I, I don't think the Rangers series will be as heated as the Bruins series. And I like the Canes chances. I saw one, I can't even remember who puts out that, uh, the, the logo, but, but it's like your chances to win the next round and your chances to win the Stanley cup or whatever. And right now the Canes were in had either the second or third best Stanley cup odds, but their odds of advancing to the next round were like way high. Like the statistical models love the Canes. I like the Canes. I've got the Canes beat a really tough team and they can play better. Like, I mean, certainly they can play better on the road in the New York series. So I'd love a, uh, a five or six game series with the Canes winning. Last night I saw you tweeting about LeBron James's Q and a where a lot of people asked questions and LeBron surprisingly responded to a lot of the different questions he was asked. He gave his top five, Hip-hop albums. Was it hip-hop or was it specifically rap? It was hip-hop. The Chronic, Doggy Style, Black Album, Life After Death. And the last one he gave was It Was Written. And then he was asked what his five favorite movies were. And the five he went with, The Godfather, which shouldn't surprise anyone because a few years ago he lied when he said that he watched it six times in a two-year, in a two-month span during one playoff run, then couldn't name a scene or a quote when he was asked about <laughs> it. Uh, Wedding Crashers, which is Solid. an upset. Gladiator, Coming to America, and Friday, his five favorite movies. Anything that you critique on LeBron's top five movies, top five, or applaud, top five hip-hop albums. Uh, Gladiator is a little overrated. I, it's probably one of those things where if you were like 12 when you saw it, maybe it's like, you know, Rocky from my generation or something. Like it just has this. Yeah, this Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis says he watched it before every single game, which yeah, also I, never, I believe is a lie. Are you not entertained? Yeah, yeah. I never, I mean, yeah, yeah. To have. Will, have you seen Gladiator? Game? What's that? Will, have you seen Gladiator? I have not seen Gladiator. See, we need to get Will on this. Nah, Gladiator's not a you-have-to-have-seen-it movie. I swear it's not. Like, okay. part of the, the uh, acclaim of Gladiator in his case is the fact that he's got Black Album among his top five rap albums. I think it's... Um, Gladiator's almost like uh, Scarface. Like, it's got this status among... Especially, like, the younger generation loves to watch it and see it, you know. But, like, it's overall, it's, it's not a great movie. It's a good movie. It's a quotable movie. But, like, Gladiator and Scarface... I don't see them as like great movies necessarily. I will say it's uh, it, a it's cool in general for LeBron James to just do a Q and A. But there was part of me I don't know if you saw uh, the, the news around Twitter these days. Obviously involves Elon Musk and his purchase of it. And, and right before he was getting into purchasing it, he was talking about you know how I don't know who the top ten biggest uh, a lot of them were Twitter inactive. Is. The top ten yeah, accounts, it, no one tweets. It was like Obama and things like that. And I will say, I'm not trying, I'm certainly not caping up for Elon Musk. 
and I'm not, I, I understand why there's more to lose than gain for somebody who has, you know, 50 million followers or whatever on Twitter. But when, especially in a situation like that, where you, where you can 100% control the conversation, you can decide which questions you answer and you can answer them. Like you see LeBron doing that and you're like, what? Why wouldn't like why wouldn't all those top ten five like you know um, do a Q and A every now and then? It's fun, you know, and, and and obviously it becomes like headline news. So I, I, I I'm not saying uh, that those people need to tweet nonstop or that everybody should be on Twitter, but like it does seem like when you see LeBron doing that, you're like, that's a cool thing, and like that's the positive side of social media. Is now we used to have to have beat reporters give the information because they were the only ones who saw these people. Like we, we didn't see them talk on news. If, if anything, we, you know, in the eighties and nineties, you got the sports game. Eventually you got some highlights on sports center, but now to just see the personality for these people to just be able to talk directly to you, maybe make some kid's dream by answering his question for, you know, to LeBron James, it's just a cool thing that you wish more people would do. I feel like the black album though, is what people say to sound like they know a lot about hip hop. Like, oh, that's just like the basic answer. Oh, the Black Album by Jay-Z. Personally, I'm not afraid to say it. I like the blueprint better. Sorry. I'm not going to apologize was, for it. There was something about the Black Album. I'm trying to describe, to describe it at its time. It, uh, I, I, I don't know the numbers. I don't know if it, it, what had the most commercial success. But it's one of those things where, like, um, you know, you, you it, it wasn't his best album, but it was the album that was released when he was at his highest point, right? Now, he wouldn't have gotten to yeah, that high point. it's 99 had, Problems that's on it. and you, you yeah, have, yeah, exactly. Um, and whatever the next one was, was like past his prime a little bit, you know, or past his peak. Black Album was the album that he released when he was the god of the music world, and it was good enough to, to hold up in that time, too. So, like, that, that's why that one becomes the one that they talk about. Hayes Permar is with us from Sports Channel 8. He knows a thing or two about music, clearly. So we play Skips or Plays with Hayes going from the Black Album to maybe, depending on what Will pulls here, the White Album might even be featured uh, in these Beatles songs that we have because Paul McCartney is performing in Winston-Salem Saturday night at Wake's Football Stadium. It's time for a Beatles-themed Skips or Plays. Hayes Permar is somewhat of a Renaissance man, an expert in the finer things. But he hangs his hat on music. Loves his God, and he's no friend of Satan. He was like, oh, six, getting busy with the sticks, been watching Big Mike and Lil' Trip. Mike and Trip! I just need a Zion and someone he can dunk on. Today, Hayes will decide if this music is smash or trash, glows or blows. It's time for Skips or Plays with Hayes. Will, you told me earlier today you're not that familiar with the Beatles' work. Correct. Hopefully today was a bit cathartic for you. Maybe cathartic's not the word, educational, where you're learning about the great music produced by one Paul McCartney and company. Hayes, do you have a favorite Beatle? A favorite Beatle? Nah, nah. It's, it's, it's the band to me, and it's why I'm not knocking Paul McCartney. I, I would probably see him, and now there's like more of an inclination now because you're like, at some point, he's going to be gone. But... I, I never want. I, I was never really drawn to go see Paul McCartney, even in the way that I would have been drawn to see Billy Joel or the Rolling Stones, because it's just not the Beatles. And I, again, I'm not taking away from it. I'm not saying it's special. I'm not saying he himself is not amazing or a legend or an icon or all those things. 
but I grew up listening to the Beatles. I love the Beatles. And it's just, it's it, for whatever it is, it's not the Beatles. The way that when the Rolling Stones play, it is the Rolling Stones. I, I get that the members have changed somewhat, but or when Billy Joel, obviously, when it's an individual, it's the individual. So I don't know. I've, I've, uh, I don't have a favorite, and they can't ever individually quite reproduce what the group would be. What is the first Beatles song that we're doing today? By the way, side note, not only is this going to be Beatles-themed, because Paul McCartney's the one coming, these are all songs that Paul McCartney specifically wrote sure. for the sure. Beatles. Ah, okay, so, perfect. What, uh, hey, what day is uh, what day is McCartney going to be on the show, Graham? I want to tune in. You know, I I'm in touch with his people. <laughs> I mean, I know you asked. I know you asked. It's you know, Roy, Roy Cooper was busy today too. So where you yeah. know, that's the thing. Uh, when, I have no shame. Like I cu- I am Scott Graham's son. Where I have no issue yeah, but, asking. Anybody you know, for this. anything. I know this, but if if you need if you want to talk to to the Cooper, come on, man, I'm right. You know, you know, I got Cooper on speed dial. Yeah, you I do. got you next time you need Cooper. All right, but, sounds uh, good. But for McCartney, I know you reached out. Don't lie to me. I know you asked. It's true. Uh, the the triad should know that I I have made some calls, and it's harder to get Paul McCartney to come on your radio show as you think. I and I say that as somebody that you know. Has had his fair share of pretty big guests that have come on this show. You know? I would guess it's just as hard as you think to get Paul McCartney on, which is <laughs> very, very, very hard. Yeah, difficult. Uh, but I'm not going to stop trying, so I'll let you know. I'll get back to you on that, Hayes. Uh, what is the first Beatles song that we have written by Paul McCartney? Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Yes. I can go ahead and take a play on whatever songs you're going to play. We're playing Beatles songs, they're going to be all three plays. This is the easiest play ever. But yes, this is a huge play. Hey, Spermar. Is that your favorite Beatles album? Who, um, I don't know. I don't don't know those questions. Favorite song, favorite album. They're tough. Is it your favorite album cover? That's a better question. Because that cover versus Abbey Road, those are the two Um, that you're kind of competing with. Sergeant Pepper's over Abbey Road for album cover. Just being able to like look at all the little things and the, the number of times it's been reproduced, you know. Um, but, but just Sergeant Pepper's in general, like the whole concept of a band playing a different band as character for the show. Like, I mean, just incredible stuff. It's an absolute play. Great song. Okay. What is the next song written by Paul McCartney and Skips Her Plays? Yellow Submarine. Really? In the town where I was born Lived a man who sailed to sea And he told I could have swore this was a Ringo written song But maybe because Ringo sings it I would say that's not Paul singing right there And you probably think it was Ringo because it's kind of goofy but, Yes, um, that too But now I'm, I, I, again, I'm not music trivia guy i'm music like music in my ear music in my brain music in my fingers type guy so i believe will he told me paul mccartney wrote this but this is hey, shut your mouth play too. shut your mouth hey. <laughs> i think i heard him say that was a play so let's 
Hey, Sperma. That's how Robert Walsh's voice remains on in the triad through that one drop. It's great. Makes me happy. What is the last of the Paul McCartney written songs by the Beatles? Rocky. Be hey, Jude. I'm predicting Hey, Jude. No way Will's not getting out of here without going Hey, Jude. Rocky Raccoon. Wow. Wow. Rocky Raccoon. Equipped with a gun. See, he usually went very mainstream the last few weeks, and now he's going deep cut on you. How do you feel, Permar? You doubted one will. He has no idea what this song is. He just saw that it was written by Paul McCartney, right? And thought it had a great title. We may never know. (laughs) (laughs) But she called us up little. And everyone knew her as that. That's a huge play. It's an amazing song. One of those ones were like, when you listen to the uh, White Album for the like 500th time, you're like, is Rocky Raccoon the best song on this album? You know, but it, but it's 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 not. But at some point, you go through every single song, and you're like, is that the best song on this album? It's so good. Uh, I I would have. Have you either of you guys ever heard the Gray album? Since we talked black album and white album, you may have been too young, but do you remember the Gray album? No, I don't you either. Need to go check it out. It was DJ. I believe his name was DJ Danger Mouse. Oh, I know Danger who, Mouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mixed white album songs with, with Jay-Z. black album songs and made the Gray album. Mm-hmm. They, not all of them hit, but a couple of them do. And when they do, they're home runs. Like because again, you got. Jay-Z bars over uh, Beatles samples. And so the Grey album, I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head which ones are just cannot miss. Uh, 99 Problems is pretty good. I think it's Helter Skelter that's playing under that maybe. Okay, let's but see yeah. if we can find that and figure, Grey, figure it, it out. Regardless, check out the Grey album. Find you a good Grey album song. Hey, Spermar, enjoy the baseball this week, my friend, and let's get together sometime soon. Will do. It's a big rivalry. Who's the uh, who's the Winston Salem Dash's biggest rival? Greensboro. Now they play each other okay. now, so it's it's got to okay. be Greensboro. It's the the battle of of I forty. The I forty battle. Here we've got the battle of uh, I don't know if it's two battle of eighty seven. Maybe now they're changing road names I, around no, here. But I hate that, it. No, it's it's always no 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 no. That is never going to be eighty seven. Or whatever I, we're calling it. I know, that. I know. It's the I'm Battle just, of 64. You, that's what it's going to be. It's the Battle of 64. I don't know if you can get all the way to Kenston from 64, but. I mean, Kenston's trying to. Like, it's almost the Battle of 58. I don't even know what to call it. Somebody else might have a better name. But yeah, Rivalry Week here in Zebulon. Mudcats, Wood Ducks. It'll be fun. You guys have a good time with McCartney. Go Wood Ducks. Appreciate it. That's Hayes Permar on Twitter at DHPIV. Maybe the only guy that we have on this show regularly that likes Star Wars as much or more as Will Dalton.